0: Hallelujah! We thank God you have tuned into this message by David Entry at Caris Church. No hand can help you with the fulfilment of your destiny but the word of God. May God's hand align with you further into your destiny through this word. Lucius chapter 4 from verse 7 all the way to verse 14. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, with a beloved brother and a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your heart. With Onesimus, a faithful and a beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluted you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandment, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me. And Paphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ saluted you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he has a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Here ends the reading of God's word. Please, let's pray. Father what we don't know teach us, who we are not make us, where we are not take us. We pray that as your word is taught, give us glimpse into your glory through your word. Let our faith come alive, let the heavens be opened. Let us come into contact with you in a way we have never done. That after here, after this message, let grace be added to our lives in a dimension as have never been experienced by us before. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Hallelujah. It's, it's so nice to be a Christian. Oh, yes. It's such an amazing thing to be a Christian. Oh, yes. So we found out about Taichiku's and Onesimus who was a slave. Paul said, I am sending you, verse nine, with Onesimus a faithful. Now, Onesimus was being sent to the church of Colosse with a letter. And inside the letter, Paul has stated that I'm sending Onesimus with Tychicus, faithful guys, to you. Meanwhile, the Colossians will definitely be aware of this runaway slave from Colosse from one of the key people in the church, whose name was Philemon, a wealthy man, but was, he had a church in his house, and was a core member of the church in Colossae. So the Christians would be aware how Philemon has lost a slave, or a slave has run away, this slave is not faithful. Then you are sending these Colossians The same people in the church, you are sending them a letter telling them, I'm sending faithful Onesimus. It's like an oxymoron. How can you say Onesimus is faithful when he has absconded and been a very unfaithful person whose level of faithfulness must be punishable by execution? You are sending him and saying he's faithful. Why? Because... Paul always knew that what you knew people to be might not always be what they are. There are people seated here right now. You used to be a senior gossip. I said you used to be a senior gossip. Now, you are a senior gospel promoter. (laughs) So... People change, really. Even outside Christ, people change. Age makes people change. Someone once said, now that I'm 60, I know the things I thought I knew when I was 16. (laughs) As you grow, your values change. But really, when it comes to human nature and being in Christ, is a whole different ball game. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Okay. Wherefore, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. So when I'm dealing with you, I am not supposed to, as a believer, when you're a believer and I'm dealing with you, I'm not supposed to restrict myself to what I knew you to be. Because when you are a believer, God works himself into a believer. God does not work himself into unbelievers because they don't have the the capacity to contain God. They can't contain God. God could never inhabit any human being until Christ came to pay for the price of sin. So sin can be removed. After sin is removed, there is now a place, a habitation in man for God. That is why God calls us, you Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not the temple of Solomon God, he built for God, because God does not inhabit in temples made by hands. So the original temple he wanted is the human vessel. That is why on the cross in Matthew chapter 23, when he died on the cross from verse 53, the Bible says that the curtain in the temple was torn from top because the temple, the ceiling was very high. Very, very high. I believe it was something over six meters, very high. It was torn from the top to the bottom. Not from, if it's from the bottom, then three people can hold it four year or two years, two years, and rip it. But from the top, God Himself held it at the top. Wow. The curtain was torn from the top to bottom, held it and tore it. Now, what was the purpose of the curtain? The curtain in the temple or the, um, the veil was supposed to separate the innermost place where the presence of God was signified by the Ark of the Covenant, where no one is supposed to enter. You can't enter there. Only one human being can enter there once a year. That's a serious thing. And that is the high priest. And even that, he can't go without blood. He, dare not, he dares not enter there without blood. He had to enter there with blood, not of his own blood. That means he wouldn't be alive. So he has to offer blood, blood to, for his sins first, and then for the sins of the people he's representing, according to Hebrews. So he had to go there with blood once a year. So what am I saying is that that place is like God is there. You can't go there. That means true, close-knit interaction with God was not a human thing. You can't have it. Only one person can, if not go and have it, just sacrifice and leave. You, you can't have. So that's why the veil was there to separate the habitation of God or the temporal uh, where God was being hosted from every other thing, even in the temple, not let alone the world. Even in the temple where you go and meet God, where God is separated from where you can go. And then Jesus dies on the cross. When he died on the cross, he gave up the ghost. Bible says that when he paid for sins, the veil was torn. That means now there has been a link between man can go to God freely. If you have this understanding, it will make sense when you read Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. That word boldly there. Means a lot. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 also talks about, it says that, therefore brethren, having boldness to enter the holies of holies. Now we can go there, the curtain has been, has been torn. Relationship between God and man has been restored. And so God inhabits man. Now, the fact that God inhabits you is the good news for your future. The fact that God inhabits your wife is the good news for your marriage. The fact that God inhabits your husband is the good news for your marriage. Why? Because when God inhabits people, he works himself into them more and more. So increasingly, God is working himself as you are in church hearing God's word. What is happening to you is not gathering of information or collating of data. When you come to church, you hear God's word preached, actually God is actually working himself into you. I thought the message called jasperization or uh, petrification. God is, you are like a petrified wood. God is working himself. That, that's what it really is. That's what Christian fellowship and reading of God's word is. Because god do you know that you are what you eat? I know some of you don't believe that, but <laughs> you are what you eat. And so Matthew 4, 4 Luke 4, 4, 4, man must not live by bread alone, but by every word. So the word of God is also Nourishment for us. As you go to God's Word or as you feed on God's Word, guess what is happening? God's Word, which is God, is beginning to get assimilated into your human life. It's being assimilated into you. So as you assimilate God into you, you are changing. Oh, my goodness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, We all, with unveiled faces, beholding." Us in a mirror, beholding us in a glass. As you turn to Jesus Christ, the veil gets taken away, and suddenly you can see God in the text. You begin to see God in the text. How many of you have read the Bible before and felt that the Bible was rather reading you? <laughs> you can see God in the text, and he says, as you look at the text, we all, with unveiled faces, beholding us in the mirror, are being tra- the the Greek word also means transformed. Are have been transformed or being changed, metamorphosed. We are being changed into the same image. So what I'm trying to say is that as you stay in God and allow the word of God to keep coming to you, you are actually being changed for the better. Yes. There is a better version of you that is being developed. Yes. As you keep hearing God's word, you are about to discover a version of you that you will be so proud of. So Onesimus, a slave who has run away, came into contact for some reason with Paul in prison. And he wasn't imprisoned, but he came into contact with Paul. And this guy gets a dose of God into his life. And he becomes what God has always meant for him to be. Faithful Onesimus. Faithful Onesimus, who when you come into contact with him, you will end up being very encouraged. And Paul sends him back and he says that I'm sending this faithful guy because you might not know him in the past as somebody faithful, but I'm telling you, he has come into contact with God and the better the original version of his life, original Godly version of him has emerged, faithful Onesimus. So he says, I'm sending these guys to you who will also tell you how we are feeling or our situation here. And then after talking about Onismos, so first of all, Paul mentions these guys he's sending, two guys. Who are they? Taichikos and Onismos. But they are not the only people you have. If you have one-sided relationship, you are not safe. You should have relationship with people uh, you work with. But they, they, might not, you might not, they might not be your neighbors. You might not live in the same area. But. So when you're talking about people you work with, you have people. People you church with, you have some people you can. There are people you, uh, you dine with, you have some people you can. People you cry with, you have some people you can. You know there are some people they are your friends but you don't cry with them? <laughs> when you are in trouble, they, when they ask you how are things, you say, oh, very fine. Very, meanwhile, you are almost sinking. But you don't have business. They are your friends, but you don't tell them stuff. Paul had different categories of people. He had the people he could send. Okay. But also, in, it's the same in pastoral leadership. There are different categories of people you can work with on different things. So it was, as even the guys who were singing, you could tell everyone's tone is different, everyone has the time he can come. Yeah. <laughs> Paul had people he sent. send. You know, there are some people, they are, they are your buddies, but you can't send them to your mom. It's not that they are bad. They won't be able to say it well. <laughs> they won't be able to say it well. See, good people, but different strengths. So Paul had to send Tychicus, and Onesimus, because they had this unique characteristic, faithful. So they said, this guy, I can commit four letters to them and I know it will be safe. Then he said, they are not the only guys I have in my team. I have another set of guys in my team. He moves on to the next set. Oh, Paul, may God give you good sets in your team. Amen. Oh, yes. One day... One wise man said, the security of a king is not in his armies nor in his wealth, but the security of a king is in his friends. Oh yes, true friends, true friends will cover your back. One great man said, a true friend is like the blood of the body that rushes to a place of wound without being invited, a true friend. You are really poor if you don't have true friends. You are not poor when you have true friends. You can have all the money, but if you don't have true friends, you are not rich. True friends are great assets in life. So Paul had these true friends. Some of them might not remain true, I know why he didn't send some people. Okay, there, the name is there. The name is there. The name is there. It's a serious person. Okay, let's go to verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salute you. Marcus, sister, son to Barnabas, touching whom he received commandment, if he come to you, receive him. And Jesus, who is called justice who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God who have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, they mention Epaphras. Then when you look at the verse 14, look, my beloved physician, and Demas, you hear about, there's a reason why he can't send Demas to Colossae. Demas, his name is mentioned three times in the Bible. We will get to Demas but I'm just telling you, Demas was also in Paul's team. But look at Aristarchus. Aristarchus' name appeared in the scriptures about four times, Aristarchus. Four times apart from this. So three of them is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 was a heated time in Paul's life, verse 29. Acts chapter 19 was when people team up and they say, Paul's preaching is spoiling their business. So they came together and said, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And they, they said, this Paul is preaching a God and is making our business go down because we have been, well, the artifacts, the, the, the smiths, they have been designing all the gods, false gods. Can you imagine? You go and buy something, you worship as a God. <laughs> Can you imagine? Someone has made it for you. And then you go and buy it. And then you take it home. And you put it somewhere and say, this is my God. Oh, my God. It's it's a bit bit off. It's not smart. So these guys said that Paul is spoiling our business because we are making many of these idols and it's making us very wealthy. Now, Paul has come and he's preaching Jesus. People are throwing the idols away and people are not buying. Economically it's not good for the community. So they teamed up and they paid the magistrates and they got the police involved. So it was a community agreement and they caught Paul and they were beginning to beat him. Now guess who was with Paul? This gentleman called Aristarchus. Verse 29 said, so the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus. Aristarchus started traveling with Paul. He loved Paul. He said, I want to be your... So when, every time Paul preaches somewhere, there's either revival or revolt. So if you are going to be traveling with Paul, you must be ready for riot or revival. because when he preaches, something will happen. And so you can imagine a person like Aristarchus. Aristarchus should have left Paul after what happened in Ephesus. He should have left because I can't, this poor guy has too much problems. Every time he's in the media. Every time there's negative press, they're insulting, I'm a businessman. I can't afford to lose clients because I said I will not condemn Paul. So it becomes... It becomes... A, <laughs> it becomes a problem when society is beginning to dance to the tune of a group of people. And everybody now must begin to toe that line. If you don't toe that line, whether you have a justifiable reason or not, everybody must be against you. That's how intolerant liberal societies can be. So, Aristarchus was risking a lot. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, you see that this guy is still... It's still there. He hasn't left. Sopata of Berea accompanied him to Asia. Also, Aristarchus and Secundus. Those of you who are looking for names for your children. If not, <laughs> <laughs> Secundus of the Thessalonians. So Aristarchus and Secundus. They were also with Paul. They haven't left Paul. They traveled, journeyed with Paul. So it was with Paul when there was riot. And then when they got, uh, when they continue in the third missionary journey, and guess what? Acts chapter 27, verse two, even when they were about to enter into shipwreck, he was still with Paul. And so entering into the ship of Adrimetrium. We put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Uh, did you see that? Aristarchus, a Macedonian of the was with us. He was this guy will not jump ships. Even to Paul was being transported as a prisoner to Rome and Aristarchus, after the riot, he stayed. When they were traveling again, he stayed. Now when he was being sent into prison, Aristarchus stayed, and guess what? In Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, he's writing the people who were with him. See, he said, Aristarchus, my fellow, now he has followed him, now he's also a prisoner. Aristarchus has served into prison. Because he knew people who say negative things about Paul, my man of God. But I know he's a genuine man of God. I know my life has changed. I'm knowing Christ stronger and stronger. Don't worry about what people say negative things about pastors and men of God. It's, a, it's normal. The fallen heart can't stand anything of God. Jesus said, what have I done against you? Why do you hate me like this? Why do you want to keep... In fact, they killed him. He asked them, what, what have I... I he said, if I just put it this way, which of you can accuse me of wrongdoing? Which, which of you? John chapter 8. Which of you can accuse me of wrongdoing? Verse 40 says, yeah. Which of you convict me of sin? None of you. So what is it that, why do you hate me? Why do you want to kill me? And look at the good things I've done. said, so which of this would you, why, why do you want? They said, for good things we stone you not. But for saying you are the son of God, you're preaching, we'll kill you for your preaching. Every time Paul preached anywhere, there was a problem. But Aristarchus stayed faithful. And now in writing from prison, he's saying that Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, my fellow prisoner salutes you. The people who are on Paul's mind are also on his mind. This is is a true fellow. These are true friends. True fellow. And then in Philemon verse 24, he makes mention of him again when he was sending greetings to Philemon. You see, this letter was written, Philemon was written at the same time Colossians was written. And these letters were sent by the hand of Onesimus and um, Tychicus. Tychicus and Onesimus. So when he was sending this letter to this gentleman called Philemon, he said, as do Mark and Aristarchus. See, Demas is there too. Yeah. Demas is there. And Look these names are, are showing up in other places as well. They have been around, they have been around. So he says that, <laughs> he said, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner salute you. And Marcus, whoa. Aristarchus and Marcus, everybody say Marcus. 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 Say, say Marcus. Marcus. Yeah. Marcus, and then when he mentioned Marcus, I think there might be one or two Marcuses. But he says that this Marcus I'm talking about, because I'm sure they will wonder which Marcus? Because they know Marcus has a history of Paul. If you have known Paul a little bit, you will know that there's a guy called Marcus who had a history, who had history with Paul, who was not supposed to come near Paul. So he said, just so you know which Marcus I'm talking about, he said, Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. Touching whom ye received commandment. If he comes to you, receive him. You have received an instruction that this guy, when he comes to you, receive him. He's the same person I'm talking about. But sisters turn to Barnabas. Well, why do you have to talk about Barnabas? Because every well-meaning person in the church at that time will be familiar with Barnabas. Oh, yes. you will be familiar with Barnabas. You will know Barnabas. Who, who is Barnabas? Barnabas was a big guy in the early church. He was a very big guy. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36, that's the first time his name, he makes an appearance in scripture. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36, it says that, and Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which was the meaning of Barnabas, translated the son of encouragement. Listen, if you know someone who is pastoring a church, you can just chat with him and ask him, What are some of the interesting things about church, pastoring church? One of the early things they will tell you is discouragement. When you attempt to do church, you are put yourself into a field replete with landmines of discouragement. (laughs) Minefield, why discouragement? Because discouragements are necessary aspects of ministry work. Why? If you don't look up to God, you can't work for God. But because of our human nature, we tend to forget. We have amnesia when it comes to God. Potentially selective amnesia. We forget all the things that God has done. So every human being has the unique proclivity or the tendency to forget God. That is why in Psalm 103 verse 1 it said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Don't forget. He said, forget not his benefits. Forget not, not his benefits. all, oh, because you, you might remember some, but no, remember how you almost had STD and you prayed that God, as I go to the clinic, God, please forgive me. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, forgive me. You know, sometimes God answers some prayers he shouldn't. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Some prayers you know he shouldn't answer. Because you deserve what is happening. Yes. You went to steal money at work. And your colleague, you have been stealing, but your colleague told you that know you know you're a Christian. This is not right. No. He said, listen, I saw you on the CCTV. But be careful, of Me, I won't say anything, but if they find out, you can lose your job or you... And he said, don't worry, don't worry. God understands. God understands. And one day you had a dream that you were stealing the money and somebody held your hand. You know, God was giving you a sign that you might not get away. But he still went ahead to steal. And then the coach you said, yet they you know God told me I'd be so bad, oh God. And then now you're about to lose your job. And you're praying, God, the historic thefts I have engaged myself in Everything is coming up. There's no way I deserve to be here. You know when God punishes you, he deserves the right. And people, they should be punished. But I pray, God, please, if possible, have mercy and let them keep me. And then they say, you know what? You are supposed to be prosecuted, but for some reason, we want to keep you. You are thinking, I think they made a mistake here now. Sometimes God answers prayers, and you know you shouldn't have answered. So discouragement comes in ministry. But God will allow us to have enough discouragement to force you to look up to Him. Sometimes not only ministry, in your life and in your marriage. Some of you, had you not encountered that problem, you wouldn't have been to church today. You didn't have time for God until problems found time for you. But that's okay. Because actually, it's the loss of the devil. Because it has actually pushed you to safety zone. And now you are going to do better because you are in God. One, one beautiful thing about God is that he always, Psalm 103 verse 10, he always does not deal with us according to what we deserve or according to our sins. Can you imagine? So God always has enough mercy to cover you to still allow you to be blessed by him once you change and repent. God always have. there's always room in God for you. Now, so when you are working with God, and any, if God wants to really bless you, he will have to train you to learn how to look up to him and depend on him. And it's more effective when you encounter discouragements. However, he will also give you enough successes to keep going. So you need both. You need some discouragements and some successes. The success makes you feel like, wow. God is actually with me. So if you have no success, and discouragement, discouragement, I think we have, to, we have to do some checks because something is wrong somewhere. Because the Bible says God does not leave himself without a witness. When God is with you, signs will show that God is with you. One way or the other, signs will show that God is with you. Amen. Said, Never he said, nevertheless, he left himself, he did not leave himself without witness. So God doesn't leave himself with. So now, the apostles called Bar son of encouragement because the encouragement they needed for ministry, this guy, God was supplying through this guy. Barnabas. He was such an important person. And guess what? Barnabas went Saul. Saul of Tarsus was an injurious man. He used to persecute the church, so the church feared him to the extent that when he even met Jesus and he had changed and become a genuine man and he went back to Jerusalem, the people said he's coming to trick us, he's coming to play a fast one on us, so that he, now he's coming like he's one of us, so he can get us arrested. So they didn't receive him, they were all worried. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a genuine disciple. Look at the next verse. Barnabas. But Barnabas. (laughs) Hallelujah! But Barnabas. But Barnabas went for him. He said, I believe in this guy and I'm not going to deal with him based on his history. I know he has history, but I know God changes people. So Barnabas said, Going to work with him. Let's go. He took his hand. He, He took Paul and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. He told He said, Paul, don't share your testimony. I'll share it for you. He went and told them, and the apostles received Paul. I'm talking about Barnabas. And in Acts chapter 11, from verse 22, Barnabas makes an appearance there again. When the people received Antioch, when the people received the word of God, the apostles had to send Barnabas. So the news reached the apostles, the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas. Ah! Barnabas! They sent Barnabas. And when Barnabas got there, Bible said, and he saw the grace that was upon them. He encouraged them that with one purpose, they, they should continue with the Lord. And because of that, guess what happened? There was great impact. The next verse, verse 23, that, that for he was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Ghost, and great many people were added to the church. Because of this one guy who came. One guy came to the church, one guy came to the, the, the territory, and the church started thriving. The church was doing well, and they were encouraged. Why? Because he was a good man. Oh, yes, it's good to know some good people. I want in my life that people who know me will have to say that he's a good man. Even when they disagree with me, they will know that he's a good man. And being a good person, it's your responsibility to prove yourself good. To be good to people, it pays to be good. Someone, I think they are talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> it pays to be good. Barnabas was a good man, but listen, don't give me only a good person. Do you like? I like the guy, he's such a nice guy, he wants to marry me. Really? What do you think about how he's a we with God? No, he's, he's a good person. So, he was a good man, but he wasn't only a good man, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You can never have any positive impact in the church if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Excuse me for how good you are. You are such a nice person. You have been buying sandwich for every hungry person. Please, 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 please. It's good. There's nothing wrong with doing that. You have been paying people's uh, uh, rents when they lose their job. I'm, I'm just good. I'm just good. I'm just good. It doesn't mean you are God. You can be doing good without doing God. Don't let us reduce Christianity to good behavior alone. The only way you can do God is when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because no one can do God but God himself. So he has, the Bible says, God who is at work in you, is working in you both to will and do. You can't do for God until he's at work in you. Oh, Yes. So pay the price and get God to work inside you. So he says that he is a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and people were added to the church. Wow, Barnabas. Now, let's quickly, because he's not really a main person here, but he has become main. He, somebody is being introduced, and they had to refer him to Barnabas. So I think it's necessary to look at, at this Barnabas properly. And verse twenty-three in Acts chapter eleven, verse twenty-three, the Bible says that when he came and so sorry, let's move on to verse 20, twenty-five. Verse twenty-five says that then Barnabas departed to Tarsus to seek Saul. Saul, don't forget this. He went and looked for Saul. He actually has already brought him, introduced him to the apostles. But after a while, he was busy going his business. He went, Barnabas. He went to Tarsus after this great move of God. He went to Tarsus and looked for Paul and brought him to Antioch. The next verse. And he brought, when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. Wow! Well, they said, let's go and work for God. Let's go and work for God. I want to show you something. So the, the whole year they stayed there, assembled with the church and talked great things and disciples were first called Christians there because of Barnabas. And he brought a combination of Barnabas and Saul It's a very powerful, irresistible force. Formidable force for the kingdom. There are some friendships when you make, heaven has gained. Oh, yes. That's why you have to be very selective about who becomes your friend, your ally in your pursuit of God. Because there are some people, when they become your allies, the kingdom of God will benefit immensely because they are kingdom people. So, Sometimes some information will not help. Barnabas and Saul, they were a team. And they went, but look at what happened. So I'm about to draw something to your attention that is interesting that these guys were supposed to be a strong team. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says that prophets and teachers in Antioch. You see, Antioch. Pastor, Pastor, look at this. Paul, eh, Barnabas and Saul has done so much good work. Now, they were not the only prophets and teachers there. There were other three guys who have added. In the church that was in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Where did they come from? It's the work of, the impact of Barnabas and Saul. So now, Barnabas did so much work that now he wasn't the only one. There were other teachers and prophets. Wow! Then as they ministered, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me, this Barnabas and Saul, because there's more work to be done. Shout hallelujah! Hallelujah! Separate to me, Barnabas. So it looks like Barnabas and Saul were sent on a particular or a unique mission, and so they prayed for them. And look at verse four. Bible says that when they had laid their hands on them, uh, the Holy Ghost sent them. Uh, they went down to Seleucia. Now look at the verse five. It's the one I'm actually looking for. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God there in the synagogue. The last. Let's read the last st- statement there. The sentence there. Let's go. Now this John. Is called Mark. This John, in some places you will see. In fact, one of the translations use John Mark. This John is also called Mark. He is the one who wrote the book of Mark. You know, Matthew, the Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This John is the one. And guess what? He Barnabas has not got a book he wrote. Barnabas didn't write a book. Okay, Scripture. Paul wrote about thirteen. Mark wrote the book of Mark. So you see, he, they, they, they also had um, John Mark as They, uh, they had, I had a preacher where proclaiming the synagogue. Where is it? Yeah, John Mark as their. Uh, they had John Mark. Now, don't forget this. Now, when, in verse 13, when they got to Pamphylia, John Mark left them. You're supposed to be our assistant. It becomes a problem when you have an assistant who lives think about that. Where would an assistant live? Have you considered the impact of your living? Paul feels like, no, it's not only me you are hurting, you are hurting the work. John Mark left. He left. Now, when Paul and his party sailed from Paphos, they came to Pega in Pamphylia and John departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. Why would you do that? And then they continue. They will not be discouraged. They continue. Work of God, you have to do it anyway. It's not only the preacher who is doing the work of God. People are working. You don't add your strength to the work of God. In the day when your strength starts to fail you, ask God to come and be your strength. It will work. There has never been investment of your strength in God because you are too smart. You, know, you are just a worshiper. Just worship and go. Just worship and go. Invest some of your strength. People are working. You don't work, it will show on your future. God rewards his workers. He will reward you in different ways. Say amen. amen. I need to run up now. Let me just let me just finish with this Mark guy. Say Mark. Mark. Barnabas, they had Mark, and Mark left. Now the work was doing so well. Because he, had, he was forced to go on. The work was doing very well. And guess what? In Acts chapter 15, verse 37. Let's already, Allah. Let's go. Okay, let's look up verse 36. It will make a contest. Okay, let's go. Then after some... Day. So, after some days, he said, let's go back. Let's go and visit the people. Then, Barnabas was determined. Look at the name of it. Barnabas was determined. Say determined. determined. That, that, that changes the, the dynamics. He was determined to take with them John. Who? John? Paul said, who? Who? John. Never. Never. The one who left us, he should not come with us. What if he leaves again? What if he leaves again? No way! Paul was so firm on his mission, he didn't want interruptions. He said, don't bring him near me. Watch this. Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pavilion and had not gone with them to the work. Now he's coming to us to go and greet the people, say hello. What what investment has he got in the people? (laughs) Paul said no. But the problem was that Barambas was determined. That was where the problem came The problem came from his determination. What made him so determined? When you look at Colossians chapter 4, we just read in the verse 10, you see Mark names appear, and they said Barnabas. He was a cousin to Barnabas. So some people believe that it's just nepotism. You want to bring your family members? <laughs> yes. You want the church to be, yes, you and family. So, but... I don't think it was that reason. Because when you study the characteristics of Barnabas, he doesn't give up on people. He can come for you when you don't deserve it. When others are not sure about you. He was a son of encouragement. Oh, come on. The son of encouragement, it doesn't matter what you have done wrong, how far you've gone off, how far you have deflected, he can still come for you. And when he finds you, he's not afraid. He believes you won't hurt them. He did it for Paul. He went for Paul. But Paul doesn't have that special gift. he, He was, listen, one of the reasons why I believe that Paul said no was where he was going, who he needed was people like Aristarchus. Who followed to prison? But <laughs> because of the riots that are ahead. <laughs> but so, watch this. Something in the early church that seems like no contradiction, but it's a conundrum. Two huge apostles had so much contention, they couldn't stay as allies over one person. Is there? So, the Bible said, their contention. Amen. Their contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. They, they parted company. God called them together, but they parted company. You might think it was a loss for the kingdom born, but they are two big apostles. So actually, it was again, they ended up having two missionary teams. Yes. That was not their objective, but it, it ended up because Mark was not a bad guy. He was a good guy. Silas was also a good guy. So Paul took Silas and went. Barnabas took Mark and went. And guess what? They all did well. Even though we didn't hear about Barnabas. Barnabas was a son of encouragement. He wasn't interested in being read about. So if you don't hear about me, but people knew his weight in the kingdom. That is why Paul said, I'm sending who? Mark? You mean that same guy, Mark? Yes, Mark. Because Peter picked Mark. Mark became as Peter, First Peter chapter 5, verse 13. Peter calls him my son. Mark? Peter said, she who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greet you. And so does Mark, my son. Mark. So why did he leave? Mark's mom was a bit well off. So in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, when Peter was released from prison by the angel, in Acts twelve twelve, he went to John Mark's mom. That's where people were praying. Yes. His house was like a kid group center. You have to think about it, when you're exposing your children to church environment, the things he can do for them without you realizing. One, His house, the things that are from his house. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, that's Peter. Where many, it's not about the Mary, but this center, many had gathered and were praying. Look at verse 25. Many had gathered there. It was a praying center. It was a gathering center. The early church didn't have church buildings. So most of the time, they met in people's homes, especially those who were well off and they had big homes, not garage, big homes. <laughs> because those times, they didn't have garages. <laughs> and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their mission, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark, and this guy left them later. Afterwards, the Bible was saying that that guy, Paul, is in prison. He's now telling the Colossian church that you've already been told about Mark. He also sends his greetings. Mark, one of the things I want to leave with you is, I have a very strong feeling that Mark's journey in ministry started from home. Started from home. I was out with some people recently. And I think we're we are going to have some meals or something. And then I asked one person, pray. And the other guy was looking at me like, I said, yeah, let's pray. Because his father is a pastor. Me and you, we are, our fathers are not pastors. <laughs> yeah. John Mark, look at the home he came from. Mary's house. That was where the early church used to pray. And John Mark was a young man in the house. Not knowing... Whilst he was exposed to this intense apostolic ministry, he was catching something that would be a great blessing to the body of Christ. For your, let me repeat it for your information. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. Theologians believe the Gospel of Mark was the first of all the other Gospels because it's the shortest. And almost everything the others said, especially Matthew, Matthew sourced his information from Mark. So most of the things Matthew was saying had been already said by Mark and he expounded on it. So Mark, as theologians believe, was the first gospel writer. He didn't walk with Jesus, but he grew up in a home of fire. He had a domestic environment of Christian fire, Christian power, genuine worship. See what it produces in him. Yeah. One of the things I realized that when you grow up in an environment of genuine Christianity, it never leaves you. I'm not talking about just religious Christianity. Even religious Christianity has something that lives with you. But genuine Christianity never leaves you. It never leaves you. That's why the Bible says that train up a child the way he should go. And when he grows up, he will not depart from it. Train your child, teach them, bring them to church. Bring them to church. When we come to church, collect the iPad and iPhone from them. <laughs> collect it when it's time for service. Because you want to raise a John Mark, he's going to give us a gospel. Paul, in the days of his imprisonment, let me add this and close, in the, the days of his imprisonment, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, oh, Demas, Demas, I didn't want to read about Demas, let's go to 11, I said, please, <laughs> Demas, we'll talk about him later. <laughs> he said, only Luke is with me when you are coming. this. Watch this, this was his last letter before he died, but when you read it, verse, I think verse 6, he says that I'm being poured out as a drink offering. He knows that. He said, I know my departure has come. The time of my departure has come. He knew that he's about to die. That was his last letter. And in the days when he was about to die, he said, I need that guy. I need that guy. He was raised from a good home. The gospel has been around him for a long time. So he's solid. He's a solid believer. He said, Bring him to me. No wonder. Barnabas said, You don't know what's in him. This guy, I want to keep him. I'll, I'll be good. I'll be. Good. I'll clean him up, and I'll be good with him. And when I finish, you will need him. <laughs> so he said, "Bring Mark, get Mark, and bring him to me, for he is useful to me for the work of God." Is it not Paul who says, "I don't want him"? Yeah. Oh yes. What you need is a Mark in the hands of a Barnabas. A Mark in the hands of a Barnabas. A Mark in the hands of a Barnabas. So now he's writing letter. says, Mark salute you. Do you understand why he said, a cousin? Uh, uh, when no, no. Uh, but yes. He said, Aristarchus and then Mark, a cousin of Barnabas. He have to make sure you know the one I'm talking about. Barnabas family was a blessed family. Praise God. My prayer is that God will make a mark out of you. I know you have made a negative mark in the past, but God will use you as a mark to make a positive mark in life, in people's lives, in, particularly in the church, in the body of Christ. May it be said that you are not one who hurt a church. May it be said that you are not one who hurt an apostle. Maybe said that you are one who strengthened the church, who stood in for the church, who stood in for the ministry work. And today, long after others are gone, your name is still around and talking. I pray that God will help us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you receive something? Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. We pray you have been strengthened and enlightened. You can connect to David Entry on all relevant social media platforms including Instagram and LinkedIn. You can also hear more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms and the Carriage Church app. Don't forget to like and share the message. Be blessed.